Welcome to Hope Renewed, the podcast of PIR Ministries. Thanks for connecting to Hope Renewed, the in-depth podcast about pastoral renewal and restoration. I'm Tom Jameson, and along with co-host Sean Nemechek, we explore the issues and challenges pastors face and help cultivate a renewed hope for healthy ministry lives. So, Sean, last night I found myself lying on the living room floor, realizing that my lower back had just started to seize up on me, and I began to do some stretches, and I realized something. As uh, my hair gets grayer, my back gets less stretchy. I don't know. How how flexible are you? Oh, physically? You're not very. Uh, yeah, I, I probably couldn't stretch anywhere near as much as you. But over the years in ministry, I had to learn to be very flexible. Yeah, it's, it's all about resiliency, isn't it? Uh, resilience in ministry is crucial if we're serious about serving for the long haul. Too many ministry leaders reach a point where the stretch and pull of ministry leave them exhausted or at the point of snapping and losing hope. It's so important that we give good attention to this aspect of a pastor's life. Yeah, we have a special guest today. Uh, Daryl Yoder is a friend of mine from my seminary days, uh, and uh, he has recently uh, just kind of led the charge in helping pastors learn more about ministry resilience. Daryl's a former pastor uh, who currently serves as program director and uh, instructor of Christian ministries at Grand Rapids Theological Seminary. Uh, which is part of Cornerstone University in Grand Rapids, Michigan. He focuses on spiritual formation and pastoral ministry. He also leads the Piercing Fellowship, a scholarship program for Master of Divinity students, where he provides spiritual retreats and oversees small groups uh, that cultivate uh, students' personal spiritual formation. Daryl's also the director of the Evangelical Seminary Dean's Council, so he, he wears a lot of hats. I've asked Daryl to come on the show because of his leadership of the GRTS Talking Points program, which serves pastors, ministry leaders, and counselors by providing events and resources that engage topics related to theology, culture, and vocation. Daryl Yoder, welcome to Hope Renewed. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's it's great to to have you here. I know PIR Ministries has a a six-year relationship with Grand Rapids Theological Seminary through the ministry prep, and so this is need to circle around and get connected in this way. Absolutely. We've loved partnering with you guys and, and love what the work that you guys do in supporting pastors. Well, I'm just getting to know you a little bit, but for our listeners, if you would just take a moment, tell us a little bit about yourself and your work with uh, Grand Rapids Theological Seminary. Yeah, thanks. So I am for originally from Indiana. I grew up in Northern Indiana, um, moved to Grand Rapids. It's actually about 20 years ago now. Next year will be 20 years. So West Michigan, has kind of become home now. Uh, I moved up here to go to Grand Rapids Seminary uh, to do my Master of Divinity work. Um, so came up here to go to school and ended up sticking around, served in pastoral ministry for several years. Married to my wife, Cindy, for uh, 17 years now. We've got three kids uh, ranging from 11 to 15 years old, uh, one daughter and two sons. So we're in all of elementary school, middle school, and high school these days. I was always interested in re-engaging with the seminary after I graduated, you know, kind of re-engaging in the seminary context, academic study, very interested in, in those kinds of things. Um, thought I would do it at some point, um, but the opportunity actually came earlier than I expected. 
Um, I was invited almost eight years ago now, I've been at the seminary now for about eight years to lead a MDiv scholarship program and really focused my time on walking with students um, relationally and kind of almost disciple, really discipling students uh, outside of the classroom context, students who are studying for pastoral ministry and kind of really shore up and continue to work on our efforts at GRTS around areas of spiritual formation. Uh, we've been had been doing a number of different really good things, um, but I got to kind of focus on that. So then actually soon after I started, actually the third day that I was at GRTS, the third day on the new job, uh, I was kind of handed talking points as a program. Hey, would you lead this? <laughs> oh, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, I think you've been thinking about this for a while. <laughs> but that had actually been going, the talking points has been had been going for decades. Um, but having that opportunity quickly made me start kind of thinking about walking not only with students, uh, thinking about pastoral ministry in the future, but thinking about what pastors need now, ministry leaders, um, counselors as well. Um, so I get, to, I get to think about and walk with people preparing for or in the midst of ministry, uh, reflect on my own journey. I'm, I, I kind of don't see uh, my role at the seminary is separate from my pastoral ministry. It feels mm. like an extension of it uh, in many, many That's ways. Neat. Yeah. Um, and I'm most interested in just the theology and practice of spiritual formation. How do we grow? How do we help others grow? Whether it's in a seminary context or in the church um, and just recently started some doctoral work myself on that. So digging deep into that, all of that, and hmm. trying to kind of live in both worlds in some ways, kind of the church context and seminary. Daryl, you recently uh, organized a nine-part series uh, for Talking Points on ministry resilience. Tell us uh, just a little bit more about what Talking Points is, what you're trying to accomplish there, and then what was your goal for this series? Yeah, so so again, Talking Points is 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 rather, you know, decades old now, um, and it really has been, if you think about what a seminary does, we, our primary thing we do is, right, we offer degree programs for students who are interested in pastoral ministry or, or um, other forms of ministry leadership and counseling. Talking points, though, is our kind of our way of kind of turning back outward to the community and saying, here's opportunities to grow and, and uh, our way of supporting pastors, ministry leaders with professional development, encouragement, resources. Uh, I, so it, it, it can happen in a number of different forms. I like to call it a conversation about theology, culture, and vocation. We have always uh, focused on challenging topics, often even controversial or dicey, whether it's kind of uh, dicey theological questions or just kind of the pressing questions that the church is facing today. Typically, it happens in the form of a one-day conference or seminars. We've done series in the past. We've done uh, some curriculum as well for small groups. Our hope is that by engaging the topics, these challenging topics in a way that is biblically and theologically rooted and culturally engaged and you know, kind of vocationally relevant as the phrase I like to use, like practical, that we can really, really serve the, serve the church in that way, really focusing on supporting leaders, um, but then by extension of the rest of the church. And then for this series, um, our, our hope with this series, we really wanted to lean into supporting pastors. We've actually had a few years of really kind of picking up really challenging really controversial topics uh, like around race and justice and sexuality. And it's often been, it's been a challenging set of conversations to have. Um, 
this one, as we've thought about, as we thought about supporting pastors, it wasn't so much challenging in the sense of controversial. It was more like, we just don't, as pastors, we don't think about this enough or, or at all, or maybe we even feel bad about thinking about ourselves. Uh, and so it, it almost has felt like a, for a lot of, uh, a lot of folks engaging in the conversation, like, a, yeah, this is really needed. And I don't know, like, like how much should I think about, <laughs> think about myself? I'm always, I need to think about and pour my life out for others. Um, and I don't want to overgeneralize, but I think that so many pastors, ministry leaders, we get into the ministry with the desire to pour out our lives, but we then we don't we don't really think too much about prioritizing our own souls, our own lives, mm-hmm. um, our own health, and we actually often think that I think we can easily think that's virtuous, yeah. right? So being self-sacrificial is, and yet if if it just burns us out and we can't then anymore, so it's a virtuous for the short term. <laughs> it's a, it's a <laughs> real may, tension, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we wanted to lean into that. And the opportunity came because we had a, a grant project from the Lilly Endowment focused around economic challenges facing ministers. So that project was around fiscal literacy, especially, but we've really appreciated the way they've engaged that topic holistically to say how we handle finances, things like that actually flows out of who we are, how we are, how we're doing, uh, you know, all of that. And so pastoral well-being is almost the, the broader category in which we can kind of think about fiscal literacy and use of resources and those decision-making, those kinds of things. So we, we kind of zoomed out for this conference was a kind of like a capstone event after a multiple year project in that in that with that grant and we want to just kind of highlight this broader area and really serve and seek to support uh pastors um we we didn't expect obviously the timing uh with the the pandemic uh we ended up having to cancel our conference uh we are the conference was scheduled four days after michigan shut down so right up to the 11th hour uh we had to cancel the whole thing and that was really, at first, really just obviously disappointing. And wow, we put all that work into it for nothing. And then after a few months, we decided to unbundle it, kind of shift gears and go, you know what, this, this shutdown, this pandemic is actually putting extra pressure on pastors to figure out how to be a pastor when you can't go see people. So this is actually very, very providential, both on, both on timing and topic. So uh, we decided to turn it into a series over four months of one-off, um, uh, one-hour uh, virtual events and continue to, to engage those speakers. And actually, we were able to add a number of uh, speakers. Sean, you joined us for that uh, series, and we, we benefited from that as well. We were able to actually do more in terms of content than we could have done in one day. So that was, yeah, that's kind of the, back, the backdrop, the backstory of us kind of picking up this topic and the way we did it. We had never done that before. <laughs> I, I love that your focus on resiliency required you to be resilient in order to <laughs> present it. Yeah, we kind of lived right into it. Yeah, it was a deep honor for me to be able to uh, be part of that and kind of kick the series off. Uh, I'm tempted to ask you to tell me more about me, but I won't. Um, <laughs> instead, I, I want to just ask, you You had several speakers. How many speakers was there? Eight or nine uh, speakers total? There were uh, nine sessions, so eight speakers and then a panel of three pastors. Okay. And uh, you had major themes that that kind of popped up in the speakers across 
uh, you know, multiple speakers. Can you uh, highlight what a few of those major themes were around Ministry of Resilience? Yeah, I was thinking about this. Um, and I guess I was I, the way I'll answer that question is with kind of the things that I felt like different speakers, even from different um, vantage points, sort of said some similar stuff. And, and if mm-hmm. you kind of coalesce them down to the main, the main ideas, I think of, I think of probably three or four, maybe five. The, the first big one is obviously the need. We had a sociologist, a psychologist, a theologian, <laughs> a spiritual director, multiple spiritual directors, um, you know, all kind of speaking about this topic from their, their disciplines, their vantage points. And um, the need was one that was very clear, uh, just without some core things in place, so many pastors struggle and eventually burn out or settle into, I don't know if this is the right way to phrase it, but I want to call it like almost like a quasi cynical posture of just sort of maintaining ministry, Mm. keeping people at a distance, you know, sort of serving people, but don't get too close, walling off our hearts uh, like that. And when we do that, we're really at risk. It was just really the perspective that kept coming up, whether it's from their experience um, in ministry or from, the data in the studies that some of the folks were like Matt Bloom, one of the speakers was is deep into uh, research across a wide swath of the church and just what they're seeing. Um, and then, you know, what the, if, uh, the psychologist, uh, Dr. Gibson, uh, just what he's seeing in his practice and things that he's, you know, so from different vantage points, the need is a massive thing. And if we don't, if we don't do something about that, it hurts the church is kind of in her because it hurts our leaders. So that's one big one. Um, but, but they also big takeaways were kind of several things we can do. We can real things we can do to pursue greater health and greater strength in ministry. Um, and I'll just tick off a few of them. One is one is just paying attention, which seems so obvious, but just to pay attention, just stop and think and notice and observe uh, your own health as a pastor or as a ministry leader, your own well-being. Are you paying attention to that? And what are the, some ways that you can pay attention? Um, you know, things like self-care, things like when you spoke for us on Sabbath and rest, just resting, being intentional to rest, creates space to notice, right? How am I doing? Reflection on that. There are ways we can do that. And we just need to, um, need to do that. Another one was that came up that, I loved was just that the issue around suffering and struggle came up in different ways. The role of that, even in the process of resilience, um, I think everyone mentioned it in some way. So reflecting deeply on suffering, the maybe another one would be finding and creating space to really speak honestly. I think that that came up in different ways. Uh, so needing to pay attention, you know, paying attention to the role of, of your own pain and suffering in your, in your, in your formation, in your life, in your health, um, grieving it, that kind of thing. And then, and then creating space, like creating space to speak honestly was something that I felt like came up a number of different times. Mm-hmm. And really kind of acknowledging that pastors can't always in every space they're in really be fully honest. There's always, you have to be, you're the pastor, right? So there's some things maybe you can't quite say fully about where you're struggling, where it might either hurt the confidence of people around you or, or just kind of be more than the people under your care should have to carry. And so, uh, you know, where is that space? And so needing to create that space, um, reflecting on your life story was a fun one. 
that came up. I didn't expect this. I do a lot with around spiritual formation. I do a lot with students about reflecting on your life story, kind of thinking about through your narrative, being able to tell your story and, and integrate it into your life now, like the themes and what you've been through as a way of cultivating your identity, right? So it was fun to hear like a Dr. Matt Bloom from a sociology standpoint saying, we are seeing in the data that as you reflect on your story, especially the story of your calling in ministry, that that does a lot for cultivating resilience. You know, even if your circumstances don't change, just reflecting on those things and continuing to ponder and meditate on God's work in your life. And it's almost like the biblical theme of remembering, um, remember how God has worked, like reflecting on that was big. And then, and then Donja McGibson, uh, when he spoke about uh, Frederick Douglass, how he, in the midst of some of the most traumatic times of this country, developed a resilience by reflecting deeply on his life. And he's kind of a huge takeaway is to write your story, to think through your story. Um, that was interesting to hear. And then the last one I'll mention is just relationships. That, that came up a lot. The need for relationships and even even strategic relationships. Um, Bob Burns, Dr. Burns talked about their study and how there are certain kinds of relationships that we need when we're pastors and often we overlook them. Not only they talk about allies, uh, people within your ministry that you ought to have good relationships with, but that we also need confidants, people outside of our ministry that we can say the last 10%, (laughs) everything else that we can't necessarily say to people or share with people within our ministry. I think that, that, that the need for those relationships and the intentionality of it, I think those were all, that was another theme that came up from different, from different vantage points. Yeah. There's so many themes that just, just popped up all across the yeah. different uh, speakers. It was, it was amazing. So Matt Bloom was really one of the highlights of, of the entire series. You gave him uh, two sessions to kind of dig deeply into the, the data that he and his team have found. And he talked about uh, some of the characteristics of well-being. Can you uh, just give us a couple more highlights from his talk? Yeah, we, uh, and I definitely want to encourage as we're going through this, encourage folks to go, go if they have time, go listen to the full talks. I, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do them justice. Um, but uh, to give you a few, a few things that I remember from his talks, and I was able to go back through some of the notes um, he did speak twice for us. He spoke once on, we wanted him to just introduce the idea of well-being. What is well-being was the first big topic we asked him to speak on because, I mean, even just that just needs to be defined. What are we talking about, right? And then we had him also speak on identity. What is a strong identity? How do we think about think about that? And again, he's, he's careful to say, you know, he's like, I'm not a theologian. I'm not coming from this from that lens. Um, I have a, um, he's, social science lens is his so we can tell you what we're seeing in the data kind of thing um but i mean i was just it was compelling to hear how how it maps on to so much of what uh is being said when theologically around spiritual formation and and biblically as well so around well-being he talked about he just kind of described well-being in four categories um there's your he talked about daily well-being. Just how are you doing from one day to the next? Is today stressful or is today life-giving? Mm. Is it burdening or is it fun? Like, and just none of that being necessarily bad or shaming, but we just all have up days and down days. And so mm-hmm. he just encouraged, you know, that 
those things build up over time. And if we don't notice, okay, how am I doing this day or the next day? And how's that building up? All of a sudden we're in a bad place. Um, so just noticing your day, daily well-being. He talked about, he did talk about resilience as an actual category within well-being, which it's fun to think about all the different terms. There are technical definitions <laughs> um, that different people use, but resilience being the ability to adapt to stress or struggle or, you know, being, being able to like being resilient, being able to respond to what's happening and, and to adapt. A third one was authenticity. He, he talked about self-integrity, kind of true self-knowledge, really being able to say, uh, here's, here's who I am, here's how I am, both the good and the bad, be able to kind of name what's true and live with integrity, like self-integrity and a sense of meaning and identity, that kind of thing. And then thriving was the last one, which has to do with just having purpose and connection to others and to your work, to your ministry, and feeling a sense of uh, value to that. So those were the kind of the categories that he used to describe well-being. And then he had a few steps that he talked about that can help people flourish, sort of in line with what we're already talking about. On the uh, second talk from identity was fascinating. He, he kind of talked about developing and strengthening your identity by reflecting on writing your life narrative, which I mentioned already, but especially your call to ministry. Um, and, then he, and then he used four categories for identity, uh, like stories that we tell or stories that we believe about ourselves um, around our capabilities. What are we capable of? Do we believe we're capable of anything or to what? Um, and our, the characteristics that are central to who we are, the convictions that we have, and then the connections or relationships that we, that we have. And that a, a strong identity is one we're clear on those things, that we have clarity. And, and when it's balanced, we can see and notice and admit both our strengths mm. and our mm. weaknesses. It's like if we can't admit weaknesses, this is not a very strong identity. Those were just really helpful and then it's a certain that our identity is complex, that we have multiple interests in our life. There's different aspects of life. We're not just a pastor or we're not just mm -hmm. a husband or a wife. We're not just, you know, et cetera, et cetera. We're, we have different categories in our lives and there's tension in that. And, and that's okay, actually. And then last, I'm giving you guys a long answer, but the last, the last one, I, I really appreciated how you said, he talked about there needs to be a distinction between my personal identity and my role as a pastor, right? So, so your person, who you are and what you do and that they need to be sufficiently aligned so that you're not being someone you're not when you're serving in a pastoral role, but they need to be distinct enough that you're not, you are not your ministry, right? You need to have a life outside of your ministry, that kind of, that kind of tension. So like this, this delicate uh, balance or tension, I guess you'd say between those two aspects of your life. Um, so that was, that was some of the, the kind of high level ideas that he was talking about. That's a really good summary. Uh, I just want to reinforce what you said, go back and watch the videos because um, yeah, you've, you've hit the high points, but his practical illustrations of how to do these things uh, we're just golden and we don't have time to get into every one of those, but uh, yeah, his, his talks, I think were, were two of the talks that really impacted me um, deeply. You also had Donjima Gibson come from, uh, from Calvin uh, to talk about pain and how it can contribute to our resilience, which is kind of an interesting topic. 
usually we think of, of pain as the reason we have to be resilient, but he was talking about how it can make us more resilient. Mm. How did you and the, and the pastors and leaders watching respond to this message? Yeah, Dr. Gibson's uh, talk was was so stimulating. I think uh, the response, I can say it a couple different ways. One was I, I got to do, I sent out a survey to attendees after every session um, to kind of get their feedback on the topic and kind of a uh, handful of reflective questions uh, to kind of hear how people were responding to or how they were applying or, or kind of interacting with the ideas. Um, and this one, man, it was a super strong, positive response. You know, like I did just like one rate, rate every session, uh, one out of five was the first question, all of the surveys. And this one was like 90%, it was a five out of five. So really strong. And then you, as you got into the comments, there was also a good bit of like questions and um, thinking through, and I'm not sure about that, but I really liked that. So I think it, I think it was really stimulating for folks. A quick snapshot of what he covered was, so Frederick Douglass, right? If you remember who he was, he was born into slavery and then he escaped and became free. And then he lived through the civil war and reconstruction and reconstruction ended before he died. So he saw an incredible amount of experienced, incredible amount of suffering and trauma, and then saw incredible progress and loss, right? So, and of course, along the way, he wrote four different autobiographies. And so what Gibson did was he just really took a psychological look at what you can see from those autobiographies. And you can see how he over the course of his life, maintained and really developed a kind of, uh, to use Gibson's language, a robust sense of self. Just how in the world did this person who was literally owned at first and, and brutalized and then experienced freedom and then became one of the most prolific writers and speakers, like how did he even do that? Most people wouldn't become that kind of, have that kind of strength of person. And one of the ways that Gibson talks about that helped was how, how, how Douglas processed the pain and suffering that he went through. It was interesting the way he defined resilience. This is kind of maybe one way to put the insight there and the way people were interacting with it. He talked about resilience not being a static condition, like you're resilient. <laughs> and that's a characteristic. He talked about it being an ongoing kind of dynamic work as we cultivate our true self in Christ. Um, and so you develop resilience by responding to life. And so resilience comes as you engage with life as it is, including the pain. So that's how resilience develops in part because of mm. the pain and suffering we go through. Um, and so it's part and parcel with, with how we do it. Does that, that make sense? Yeah, you know, I, I always uh, think of that when you read so many um, autobiographies or biographies of, of I'm reading Louis Zamparelli right now, Unbroken, yeah. and and how that the process of pain brought about the very thing that enabled them to to yeah. do it. And I, and I just you know this is such a cheesy illustration, but it sticks in my mind. The whole you know butterfly in the cocoon, it yeah. it has to go through that that process of breaking out uh, yeah. in order to gain the strength in order to live. Uh, and, and just how we see that over and over and over again in, 
you know, ultimately we read that in scripture uh, in first Peter, I think it is that, you know, the suffering of Christ and, and how that is a gift and a blessing for us to endure and, and live through that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm one that always kind of goes, okay, where can I go back to scripture and see that? I'm always wondering that question. And with this, this is like so clear, you know, deny yourself and follow me. He wants to save his mm. life, will lose it. If you lose your life for me, you will gain it. You know, and I mean, it's, there's so many blessed are the persecuted, blessed are the, those who mourn all there's so much throughout scripture about the, the redemptive benefit of, of, of enduring suffering through, with faith and, and persevering through it. Uh, not mm. that anybody wants it or would, would choose it, but it's the reality of the world. And so God uses it. So anyway, it's good stuff. Mm. I really appreciated that talk because it, it really spoke to my own experience of, of burnout and then, my recovery uh, from burnout was largely uh, that same journey of self-discovery through understanding the pain of it. And uh, I, I think that redemptive aspect was huge for me. Uh, it, was, yeah. it was just amazing to see uh, how much through the, the pain of burnout, I began to experience the depth of Christ's love yeah. in the middle of all of that. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and his message was, was just profound in that area. I really appreciated it. Yeah. And I would, I would add just personally, if I, as I reflect on my life and I've thought about this before, if there weren't seasons of significant struggle, I would be one of the most arrogant, mm. cold people that you mm. probably could have met because I had it, I would have it all figured out. Like I did it. Why can't you? I, I just know that's where my heart would have been <laughs> and having to go through. Um, and all right. I mean, certain, some things don't stop. We all have seasons and, and areas of our life where we struggle. So having to go through seasons of difficulty, mm -hmm. facing things even today that are challenging, it's just, it's, it's because again, I think because of sin, because of selfishness, self-centeredness, it's a necessary ingredient to soften, to humble, to um, point us back to Christ, to God who's we're created for, so that we don't think we've got life figured out by ourselves, which we wouldn't, mm -hmm. right? I mean, that would be, that'd be, right? C.S. Lewis sort of described hell as sort of you're off by yourself and you're just, you don't need anybody else. Like that's, <laughs> so yeah, I just yeah, think, I just, th yeah, I just think, uh, I think that I would be a cold, arrogant person if I wouldn't have suffered and don't suffer. And so I'm, that's where we go. It's bittersweet. I don't pray for it. I don't want it, but it's good for my soul to endure. Yeah. To endure. We, we need to be broken of our brokenness. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. The sacrifices of the God are a broken spirit, a broken, a contrite heart. I think about that passage a lot in Psalms. One of the gifts from this year for me has been uh, getting to know Chuck DeGroat a little bit. And uh, you had Chuck uh, as one of the later talks. Uh, and, and actually, through each of the talks that you had, you gave away books to the, the people who attended. And Chuck's book on wholeheartedness is one that I've just finished reading. Um, and his talk was around wholeheartedness. Uh, this, this concept, to me, is one of the, the most primary uh, foundational concepts for ministry resilience. And it, it all comes, the, the idea of ministry resilience coming from knowing and living out of your true self 
was a theme that Matt Bloom hit, that Danja McGidson hit, that Chuck DeGroat and others um, hit. What are your thoughts on that idea? Such a good question. Um, and it's right. It's another big theme that was really woven in all the way through the whole, the whole series. To be honest, years ago, so when I first heard that phrase, true self, um, I thought it just seemed kind of odd, a little psychological. It didn't seem very biblical to me. And the phrase, uh, like like uh, the way DeGroote would put it, I think, um, or maybe you put it, like resilience coming from our true self. Like we are resilient as we live from our true self. I think for a lot of folks, and for me at one time, I think it did. And I think, I think it could sound almost like you're, like we're really just being human focused, like just really focusing on myself because I'm looking for my true self. It's almost like that self-fulfillment, like life is all about finding yourself. I think folks hear that phrase in that sort of way. And some of the comments, some of the feedback I got reflected some of that sort of like, I don't know what I think <laughs> about that. One of our attendees actually made a comment along these lines. Um, it's sort of like that. So like if what we really need is to just reconnect with like our deepest self and then we're good. And that can sound like we're not necessarily connecting with God. Like what we really need mm -hmm. is just to connect to ourselves. It sounds really, I mean, maybe sort of humanistic. And one of our, one of our attendees made a comment along these lines in, in the free feedback survey that they don't want to focus too much on strengthening their true self, but instead they, they want to develop a deeper, more honest relationship with God and others. So cultivating a true self, their true self felt like it was like separating from cultivating a relationship with God, which as I read that, I thought that's actually the same thing. Like as yeah. you, as you, it's one thing, like there's, it, it as should you, be right. Well, as you, as you yeah. get into actually, as I've understood the concept more deeply connecting to your true self, at least from a Christian standpoint is all about connecting to Christ and the spirit in you. Mm. Yeah. It, so it's all one thing, you know, right? living from your true self, connecting from your, with your true self, your true self in Christ is cultivating and living from your relationship with God. That is, that is one thing that's not separate, but I think the perceptions can be, can be different. Because um, for me, like I just go back from the biblical perspective, and this is what's kind of helped me with that language. Um, it's really, really helped me even appreciate some of the biblical teachings I was always familiar with. But when Paul talks about put off the old self mm -hmm. and put on the new self, old man and new man, right? That's all about cultivating a relationship with, with God, not because you're earning something, but because they're not, uh, well, I'd say that they're not, a, they're not all separate unless of course, someone's trying to do that without God, like to try to be mm -hmm. a certain way without God, they're not separate. But as I've reflected on it, just as a pastor, as a spiritual director, Here's how I would describe true self. I'm actually interested in how you guys might respond to this in, in helping folks understand the idea of the truth self. Because my sense is a lot of folks really embrace and love it. I think, I think a lot of folks may also misunderstand it. And there's a certain amount of resistance that I find, like with that comment, where it's just sort of like, just sort of disappointing. It's like, well, if you're trying to focus on your relationship with God, by avoiding your true self or not looking at your true self, you're actually not looking at the part of you where God is working. Mm. Like you're missing where God is at. So here, here's how I kind of frame it as I work with students. I'm interested in your guys' thoughts too. Is I actually start with the new covenant 
as you think about God's promises to like through Jeremiah, through Ezekiel, through Jesus himself and others, he promised to do something profound, new and deep in the human heart. Right. So Jeremiah used this. And I think they're all just like metaphorical languages for what God is doing at a deep spiritual level. Right. So Jeremiah said, God's going to write his laws on our hearts. Ezekiel went farther and said, I'll give you a new heart and I'll, I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees. Right. And Jesus described, I think, I think it's the same thing. Jesus described it like childbirth, right. Being born again. Like there's mm-hmm. this new life in you through the spirit. So the point I think is that through faith in Christ and the work of the Holy spirit, something deep within us is has changed and is changing. And we are new creations. This it, and yes, Jeremiah, the heart is desperately wicked, right? And beyond cure. <laughs> but God has promised to do the impossible, mm. to give us new hearts, a new depth of who we are, where his spirit is alive. And so when I start there, this idea of cultivating the truth self makes total sense. That's exactly where we should be focusing. It's not about me. It's about what the spirit is doing in me. And not working so hard to serve God that I don't even notice. But it's about stop, pause, pay attention, and cult, reconnect with who I am in Christ and who he is making me to be. Um, that is all about focusing on, on Christ and how he worked, how he's working in me and, and becoming that, living out that new creation life mm. in him. Um, tell me what you guys think about that way of framing that, because I, I think that Again, I, I love it. I love it. Self can be a stumbling block for folks. One of, one of the um, pictures that, that I've recently been given is is the the adaptive self versus the authentic self, uh, and yeah. um, one is a static, one is a dynamic. The adaptive self is all about creating structure and and perspective that comes entirely from me, so that that I know where things are based on my understanding of the way things are which of course is limited yeah, and, and yeah, fallible and, yeah. and everything as opposed to then, you know, and then living my life, adapting everything to me yeah. as opposed to the authentic self, which uh, I, I understand the, the struggle of, of na- navel gazing. I've done enough of it in my yeah. life where I'm sick of it. I'm so sick of looking at myself, but it's, it's learning to live in the authenticity of who God is making me to be. So it's the, if if you'll allow me my theology moment here, it's the already and the not yet, right? I am a new creation in Christ because I'm becoming a new creation in Christ. And, and I don't know um, if if it's the difference of perspective. When I think about myself, is it me looking at me through my own eyes or is it me looking at me through God's eyes? Mm. And to me, that's all the difference that I'm learning and growing to see myself as my father sees me. And so it's, it's not about uh, a self perspective. It's about a true perspective of myself. Yeah, absolutely. And, it, and I'd even add to that, that is it not, it's not just me sitting and looking at myself or looking at myself through the lens, God's lens. It's, it's like me and God sitting together, looking at what's real in me and me asking God, show me what's there. Show me what, I, I mean, I think about uh, one of my favorite prayers in the Bible. I, I say this to students all the time um, where David says, I think if David wrote this Psalm 139, search me, O God, know my heart, 
see if there's any wicked way in me, lead me in the way everlasting, right? I always joke, he doesn't then say, but don't tell me what's there. <laughs> it's I like, don't want to know. <laughs> search me. What? It, that's not like, be preoccupied with me because I'm so special. <laughs> that's like, God, I want to be fully alive and open to you and fully mm. obedient. And I'm, I'm an open book to you. Search me and know me. Show me anything that needs to change. And then I would add this because we tend to only focus on what's all bad in us. I think this is mm. part of our culture within uh, certain Protestant traditions. Um, it's also, tell me what's the rest of it, that I'm created in your image. Uh, you have, you have, you love me enough to die for me. Like there's the other, there's a good news in there too. Not that I'm such a great person, but that you're doing something new in me. And part of living I think an obedience to Christ is, is embracing what he has done when what's true of us in Christ, which means we are his fully loved sons and daughters, not just a broken sinner. We are broken sinners. Mm. We are also fully alive in Christ as we believe in him. So there's, there's this good news to discover too, as we pay attention to our true our true selves. Yeah, I think uh, what Chuck DeGroat was really getting at was living with integrity. Yeah. Um, I just recently read, and I don't know if this is accurate, but read that uh, the Eastern Orthodox Church refers to the true self as the old self, uh, in that uh, they're referring back to our original creation, Genesis 1, that the we old, are made old self. Yes, yes, the original old self, yeah. that we are made in the image of God and God calls us mm -hmm. good. And that what Christ is doing is restoring us to that truest form of who we were created to be. And so uh, I think that's, that's kind of the angle that Chuck's coming at, because what happens with sin is that we tend to either inflate our view of our, ourselves or project an inflated view, or divide ourselves up because of pain and trauma. Um, and so we act one way at church and one way at home and one way at work and, and you know, just uh, become these, these disintegrated people. Yeah. And so what Chuck is calling us to is to, through the work of Christ and the Holy Spirit, to rediscover who we were originally made to be yeah. and who Christ is, or who the Holy Spirit is making us to be in, in the image of Christ, um, and to live out of that with integration, um, so that we show up as the same person in each place in life, and we're living from that new healthy self. Um, and I think this is this is what a lot of theologians have discovered, from Calvin to Augustine and Luther and Edwards and many others, that. The, the more we know God, the more we know ourselves. And the more we understand ourselves in relationship to God, the better we understand God in relationship to us. Yeah, absolutely. I love that, the way Calvin opens his institutes with that. All the Christian life is made up of those two things, knowing God and knowing yourself. Mm -hmm. And there's a huge gap there for a lot of us, in the, at least in Protestant traditions, um, evangelical traditions. We tend to not want to look at ourselves. We want to especially if you're in ministry, and this gets back to the pastoral ministry context, we get into ministry to care for other people. We don't get into ministry to pay attention to ourselves. And yet a huge part of growing in Christ is to pay attention to God's work in us. So there is an important 
uh, an important practice here that we're talking about. Uh, it's almost a paradox yeah. um, to, to most fully minister the gospel to others. We must most fully allow the gospel to minister to ourselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if, if we're inviting people into life with God and into a journey of transformation and, and maturity, you know, whatever language you want to use obedience, it almost, I've, I've said this too a lot to students, um, I don't know if it's an overstatement, but it's like, you can't lead someone where we're not going. Mm. We can't help people go deep with the Lord if we've kind of walled things off and we're, we're not paying attention to our deepening relationship with God. If we're just uh, creating programs or opportunities for people to engage and we're sort of facilitating their process without really engaging our own, I think in a sort of almost mysterious sense, the, the, the fruit, there may be fruit that comes, but it's going to be hindered. It's going to be held back because some of the, the biggest fruit is going to become as we open our lives to others. And as mm. this, you know, right, the, as we become more and more available to God, he can use us more and more in others. Um, so our journey and our hearts and the condition of our souls as leaders is central to our ministry feels obvious to say it, but I, I don't, it's a, it's a paradox. It's something about it that we don't, yeah. we don't want to embrace or we, we tend to forget maybe. Well, Daryl, these, these talking points are uh, put together in uh, videos. Uh, they're accessible. Pastors, ministry leaders, anyone really can, can access them. Uh, it sounds like they'd be a great resource to watch together in community yeah. and have discussion. And I know you have plans uh, for everything. Where can people learn more um, not only about uh, the talking points, but about Grand Rapids Theological Seminary and, and actually watch these videos. Yeah. So if you go to the, the website I'll give you is uh, cornerstone.edu slash resilience. That will take you to all of the content we have from this series. And then there'll also be a link there to just the talking points generally. Um, and if you go to the general page, there's a place where you can sign up for, um, a mailing list for our blog and a mailing list for events and things. Encourage folks to check that out. You can also find a page where it has past event recordings where all, it goes back a number of years where you can go back to, um, audio from previous conferences, but at that resilience page, um, we're gonna, we're gonna be putting, we're working on putting on and by mid January or so we'll have, um, all of the recordings, video uh, from both the series this fall, and then we also created a bunch of video content that was going to be used in the conference. <laughs> so, so there's actually a number of different pieces that can be used in different lengths um, with groups and with um, just individuals exploring it. And there's a whole, a whole host of bo- blog posts that are from a few of our faculty, as well as uh, uh, Meryl Herr from the Good Works group, who's been helping me with this. Uh, this whole project and a lot of data and statistics and insight that she's been working on uh, for me with this. And, and we're also working on a curriculum. would love folks to check out a curriculum that will be available in, by mid-January really to kind of go back through these ideas. And it's going to draw f- video clips from the conference series into different, like I'll say different studies on different aspects of the issue. So in s- some of them will be especially for kind of students, uh, you know, people who are preparing for ministry. I know one, one or two of them at least will be aimed, especially at um, leadership teams and boards of churches to think about the way Matt Bloom talks about developing an ecosystem of well-being. 
that it's actually everybody's job in the church to create an atmosphere mm. that is supportive and healthy and, and pays attention to not overburdening the pastors and ministry leaders, people who are working for the church. Um, so it's, it, there will be opportunities for, for the leadership teams, the board, the elders, deacons to, to think about how they approach these things with their pastors. And then a number of them will be for the pastors themselves, ministry leaders themselves. Some of them will be like, do this by yourself. Some of it will allow a lot. Most of it will be, you know, can you work through this with a group of people? Um, so those resources will be available and all of it will be free. So we're excited with the use of the grant to be able to develop all this stuff and just kind of make it available for folks. Wow. Two words I love, <laughs> robust and free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like this is a tremendous resource. Yeah. What's, what's next for Talking Points? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know yet. <laughs> Partly because of the pandemic, to be, to be honest. Um, we've we've uh, done some digging into some, some topics that we're interested in picking up in the future. Uh, things like, um, it's been a while since we did a conference aimed especially at, at uh, counselors. So we're actually thinking about a conference that might talk about the, the relationship between pastors and counselors. How can they work well together? Mm -hmm. What are their different roles? And what are the different ways that they approach helping people? So that's one potential topic coming out of the, the last um, number of years and some of the most challenging topics we've picked up um, around justice and unity, race and um, poverty and some of those things. We're wondering about talking about the, just that the, how do we have hard conversations? So that's another mm. topic, uh, you know, handling conflict well or, or difference well, those kinds of things. How to engage in healthy conversation when you just don't agree about some stuff. Um, mm -hmm. So that's a potential area. And so we're brainstorming different topics. The thing is, I don't know, I don't know when yet we'll be able to bring a couple hundred people into one room. <laughs> so there's, uh, I'm all, I'm thinking through whether or not maybe next year providing, continuing to provide some virtual content, which might actually be actually facilitate doing a whole different, whole bunch of different one-off topics. We had Ruth Haley Barton uh, close our series um, on the topic of strengthening your soul in leadership in crisis. I'd love to have her talk about discern discernment and how mm -hmm. you make decisions as a church, as a group, as a leadership team, those kind of things. So that's a long way to say, I'm not sure yet, uh, but we'll be praying through that. And hopefully by, you know, after the holidays, we get a sense of what next year might look like. Um, uh, we'll, we'll have some clarity on that and that'll be on the website. Well, Daryl, I just want to thank you so much for your graciousness and your willingness to come and share uh, just so much about ministry resilience and uh, your heart for pastors. Uh, thank you for, for being part of the Hope Renewed podcast today. Thanks, Sean. My pleasure. And Daryl, it's been great to meet you. Great to have you. And as always, we invite our listeners to rate and review Hope Renewed in iTunes or your favorite podcast app and to share this podcast with your friends on social media. It's a great way to help us continue to bring hope to others. Thanks for joining us today. And it's our prayer that the hope of Christ is an anchor for your soul. PIR Ministries partners with God and the church in the work of pastoral renewal and restoration to cultivate new hope for healthy ministry lives. You can learn more about us at our webpage, pirministries.org, or email us at info at pirministries.org. Thanks for joining us for Hope Renewed, and remember, the hope Christ offers will never put us to shame.